welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. My name's Chad. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new here, I want to extend a very special welcome to you. We're going to continue our series on evangelism entitled, I Fish. Because when Jesus walked the earth, he, he, he met some people and he, said, and he didn't say to them, follow me and I'll make you a better person. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll give you a ticket into heaven. Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll make you more religious. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you into something that you're not. I'll make you a fisher of men. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you consider yourself a Christian and I ask you a question, do you fish? Your answer would be, yes, I fish. It's who I am. And a number of weeks ago, I gave you a bobber to remind you of who you are. That you are a fisher of men. If you consider yourself a follower of Christ, you are a fisher of men. Because to follow is to fish. And this week I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about this morning. Because many of us are still afraid of fishing. Many of us are still scared of sharing our faith, even though we know that God wants to do something inside of us to make us a fisher of men, even we know that if we don't share this historical event that Jesus died and rose again, people will never be saved. Even though we've been praying for boldness, that God would give us boldness, and even though last week we learned a new method of sharing our faith, we're still scared. We're still concerned. We still don't know what to say or what to do when it comes to evangelism. If I were to take a poll this morning and ask you the question, are you afraid to, to share your faith? This is what everybody would raise their hand. We'd say, yeah, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit concerned. Even me. You know, it wasn't that long ago. I was, I was down at the Maple Grove Community Center. I was at the maze there, and I invited a high school friend so we could hang out and let our kids play and, and, and talk a little bit. And I wanted to describe to my friends some of the ways that God has been at work in my life. And you know what happened? I started to stutter. <laughs> I don't stutter. But I was so nervous, I was so scared to connect with my friend about Jesus. I started to stutter. I started to, 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 to say words that didn't make any sense because I was scared. I'm a chicken at times when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing everything. And we're all like that. You know, and if you're here this morning, you're a little bit concerned. You don't know what it means to, to share your faith or, or, or talk to others about Jesus. You're not alone. That we all have this sense of, of fear when it comes to sharing our faith. But it's more than just being alone in our fears. You were never designed to fish alone. See, we were designed, we were created to fish together. Evangelism was never meant to be this, this one-on-one sort of confrontational experience that you have on the beach or at the mall with a, with a perfect stranger. Evangelism, sharing our faith, was always meant to be in the context of community. And that's good news for those of us that are afraid to share our faith. We were designed to fish together as a community of believers, tapping into one another's strengths for the sake of others. We were designed by God to be a fishing community. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, page 972 in your pew Bibles. Because this morning, I want to introduce you to a fishing partner. I want to introduce you to a, to a fishing friend. I want to introduce you to a fishing buddy. And your fishing buddy is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It's a fantastic passage about Jesus and his plans for the church. 
And if you're new to God, if you're new to Christ, I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning because this is the church that Jesus designed us to be. And maybe you've been far from church or maybe you've been distant from God. And maybe it's a result because we as the church haven't been what God called us to be. But now we're dialing back into the vision that Jesus had for his church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, we read the following. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Now, this is kind of a, a strange question. It's kind of an odd question. If you know, if you go to work tomorrow and you go to the break room, you're at the water cooler and, and you're sitting around and you ask your colleagues, you know, who do people say I am? You know, what's the word on the street? And their colleagues are probably going to look at you and they're going to say Nothing. People don't really say anything about you. You're kind of cubicle guy. You know, you kind of just do your own. I mean, they're not going to say much about you because there's not a lot going on. But back in the day, there was a lot going on about Jesus. Everybody was talking about Jesus. Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor. Everybody heard about the teachings of Jesus. Everybody heard about the miracles of Jesus. He was on Facebook. He was in the news. He was on Twitter. I mean, Jesus was the talk of the day. And everybody had an opinion about Jesus. Jesus. Either they loved him or they hated him. But he was in the news. People were talking about him. So Jesus says to his buddies, hey, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, this is kind of a strange answer. It's a little bit odd. I mean, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I mean, there's there's one common denominator with all these men. They're all dead. They've all deceased. And according to the word on the street, Jesus, maybe you were one of these prophets and you came back to life. Maybe you were reincarnated. This sounds a little more like Hinduism than than Judaism. Maybe you were Elijah and you came back. Maybe you were a prophet. Maybe you were Jeremiah and you came back to life. See, there's a little bit of confusion about who Jesus was. I mean, word on the street was that, 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 that you're somebody. We don't really know who you are. We don't really know where you came from. All we know is that you are connected to God. You're like one of these prophets of old. You're like Jeremiah or Ezekiel or John the Baptist, that you are connected to God. And then Jesus asks the question. He asks the big question, the question that we all are going to answer at some time in our life. He asks them this one big question. Verse 15. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am. This is the one question. This is the big question. This is the one question that we all must answer. This is the one question that people are still trying to answer today. Who do you say I am? People are still confused about the answer to this question. Who is Jesus? Some say he's just a great moral teacher. I mean, his teachings are still alive and well today. His words are repeated today. He's a great moral teacher. Uh, Some say he's a spiritual guide. He's like a spiritual guru. He gives me the spiritual path. Some say that that he is a God, but he's not the God. I mean, he may be a way to God, but he's not the only way to God. See, there's still, even today, some confusion about the answer to the question, who is Jesus? But then 
Peter stands up to this very important question. And he says out loud, Simon Peter answers in verse 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Simon stands up. Simon speaks out. He says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the savior of the world. You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are the one that we've been praying for. You're the one that we've been anticipating would come for years and years and years. You are the one. This is it. The waiting is over. You are the Messiah, the one that has come to save us, your people, from our sins. This is it. The waiting is over. You are the Messiah. In verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, God revealed to you who I am. You answered correctly. The word on the street may be a little bit confused, but you, Simon, you got it right. I am the Messiah. I am the son of the living God. And then Jesus does something kind of fun. Kind of a little bit, uh, a little bit out of the ordinary. Jesus, as a way to mark this moment, In Simon's life as a way to mark this moment in the history of the movement of Jesus. Jesus says to Simon, verse 18, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. He says to Simon, you are Peter. He says, Simon, I want to change your name. I want to give you a nickname. You answered the question correctly. And I want to mark this moment, this big moment, this monumental moment in your journey and in the journey and the movement of Jesus. I want to mark this moment for all eternity by giving you a nickname, by changing your name. Now, I don't know if any of you have received a nickname or have given someone a nickname, but it's usually around an event or an experience. Uh, it was a number of years ago, my wife and I were backpacking throughout Europe with some friends. And we were having just this wonderful time backpacking throughout Europe, seeing all the sights. We got up into Venice and we saw these palaces and the, and the kings, the doges. And then we, we, we went into Switzerland. We were in a, in a mobile home in the Alps of Switzerland, just having a blast. And, and we were renting this mobile home and this buddy of mine, uh, we were, was kind of recounting our steps in the places that we see, that we saw. And uh, he started making this wrap up. And I won't repeat the rap for you, but it was this really funny, energizing rap. And I gave him a nickname in the mobile home in Switzerland. I said, you are DJ Doje the mobile home. You are DJ. His, his name was David John. You are DJ. You're the DJ. And you're the doje, you're the king, like the, like the kings in Venice. And you're the mobile homemaker, because you're the mad rapper right here in this mobile home. And, and we had this, this moment, this funny, this experience that, that brought us together. And every time I call him today, DJ Doje, the mobile homemaker, we go back to this moment, this experience. Even my four-year-old daughter calls my friend Dave, DJ Doje. Because that's his name. That's this nickname that I gave him as a result of this experience 
that we had and it marked that moment. And we can always remember that time together through. Well, that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, Peter, I want to give you, or Simon, I want to give you a nickname. I want to change your name. I want to mark this moment because this is big. This is huge. This is monumental. This changes the course of history in your life and in the history of the world. I'm going to give you a nickname. I'm going to change your name to Peter. Now, Peter wasn't a very common name back then. Today, we name our kids Peter. But Peter back then and there wasn't a common name. It's translated stone or rock. You know, you've heard rocky, but now when he people call their kids stoner. I mean, it's just not that popular. I mean, people just don't, they didn't, they didn't just do that, you know, calling your kid stoner or rock. But, 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 but that's what Jesus did. He says, this is so huge. This is so monumental. This is so solid, something that you can build your life upon. I'm going to change your name. I want you to remember this. Your name is Peter. Your name is rock. Your name is Stone. And on this rock, on this person that got the right answer to the question, who I am, by saying I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church, church, church. I can just see Jesus talking to his buddies. I'm going to build this church, church. Now, the word church today has religious connotations, doesn't it? You hear the word church, you think of a building. But back then and there, church did not have any religious connotations. In fact, the Greek word church is ekklesia. And ekklesia simply means an assembly. It simply means a gathering. You know, like in the high school assembly, you would gather the students together for the assembly. Or, or an assembly of, of citizens for a, voting con, for, for a vote to make a decision. You would gather the people for the assembly. You would gather the people for this, this meeting, this gathering. That's the ecclesia. That's the church. And the word church today has a religious connotation, but back then and there, it didn't. So Jesus says, this moment is so big. Stone over here got the right answer, right? I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, and I want to mark this moment. I'm going to change his name, and on the answer to the question on this person that God inspired to answer this question correctly, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to do something in the future that is this gathering, is this assembly, is this movement of people that will gather in my name to do my work. I'm going to build my church. And, Jesus says, The gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'm going to build my church, this assembly, this movement, this gathering of people, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word church. But Jesus didn't have in mind this, this small little deal. He didn't have in mind just some building. Jesus had in mind this movement of people, this, this gathering of people that is so strong, that is so powerful, that the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. The church is so powerful, so strong, that will, it will overcome the greatest fear in humanity, the fear of death. 
the answer to the question, what will happen when I, when I die? Will I go to heaven or will I go to hell? The church, this powerful movement of God will overcome the questions that we all ask related to our eternal destiny. The most important question, what happens when I die? The church will overcome hell. The, the gates of hell. I think it's interesting that Jesus used the gates of hell will not overcome. He doesn't just say hell. He says the gates of hell or Hades will not be able to stop this movement of people. Now, now gates signify captivity. And we put gates up around our house to keep people out. Prisons have gates to keep people from getting out. And hell has a gate from people to keep people from getting into heaven. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to gather a group of people to shake the gates of hell and set the prisoners free. That's his vision for the church. That's what Jesus wants to build among us. That's what Jesus is doing based on the truth that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God. He's gathering a people that have confessed him as Savior and Lord and is building this movement, this assembly, to shake the gates of hell and set the prisoners free. And the reason why I tell you all this is simply this. Because you were never designed to fish alone. That the church is your fishing buddy. That we are designed as a community of people with different skills and different capacities and different interests to work together as the strength of the church to shake the gates of hell and set the prisoners free. And that's really good news for those of us that are afraid to fish. That's really good news for those of us that don't know what to say or don't know what to do or our tongues get tied and we start to stutter when it comes to sharing our faith with others. That you have a fishing buddy. You have a friend. You have a partner. And it's called the local church. It's called this community of believers that are reaching out together in the name of Christ to shake the gate to them. And set the prisoners free. That's Jesus' vision for the church. That's what Jesus is building on the confession of, Evan- on the confession of Peter. That, that you, are the, you are the Messiah. The Son of the living God. He says, on you. On this movement. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell aren't going to stand against it. See, evangelism was never meant to be this solo experience. Evangelism was never meant to be this confrontational experience that you, that you go to this stranger at the mall or this stranger at the beach and you try to win them over to Christ. Evangelism was never meant to be that. It was always meant to be in the context of community. It was always meant to be us working together in the context of community to reach out to our neighbors, our friends, and our co-workers in the name of Christ. Evangelism was always meant to be done in the context of community. But for whatever reason, we've dichotomized personal evangelism with the church. Evangelism is something that we go and do over there, and church is something that we go and do over here on Sunday mornings, and never the two shall meet. But he just says, no, that's not what I designed. That's not what I am seeking to create. I designed us as the church to be this assembly, this gathering of people working together to reach out to those that are distant from God. The church is your fishing buddy. The church is your partner in this process of evangelism. 
See, there are these beautiful metaphors of the local church in the Bible. You know, you know, Peter picked up on the metaphor of the stone and, and he calls us living stones built together to build this spiritual house. You know, Paul calls us the bride of Christ, beautifully adorned, this attractive bride. Paul also calls us the body of Christ. You know, you know Jesus died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's no longer with us in bodily form. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And as we gather as the body of Christ for worship and teaching, he meets with us. He manifests his presence among us. That's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that God inhabits the praises of his people. That as we gather as the body of Christ, he comes and meets with us. And wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, He is here with us. Do you remember that promise that Jesus gave in Matthew 18? There's this specific promise, but there's this general application in Matthew 18. Jesus says, forever two or three come together in my name to do my will, my work. There I am with you. Here I am with you. Jesus says, if you meet together in my name to do my work, I will be with you. And as we gather for worship and teaching on a Sunday morning, he shows up and we experience him. And the church is this manifestation of the kingdom of God. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the best place to bring someone distant from God because this is as good as it gets. This little thing that we're doing right here is as close as we're going to get to the person of Christ because we are the body. We are the bride. We are this thing, this assembly that God, that Jesus promised to create in the future. This movement of us going out and sharing him with others. We are the church. The best place to bring someone that is distant from God because God designed us to fish together. To use our gifts, to use our capacities, to use our strengths, to work together, to reach out to others in his name. So, so if you want to reach your coworker, if you want to reach a friend, if you want to reach a family member, invite them to church. Invite them to participate in the movement of Jesus. Invite them to join this assembly where, where God inhabits the praises of his people, where two or three are gathered together in his name, where he shows up. Because this is the best place to bring someone who's distant from God. It's the church. It's the bride. It's the body. It's the manifestation of God's kingdom on earth. It's us. This is church. I love what Andrew said to Peter and what Philip said to Nathaniel in John chapter 1. If you remember the story, you know, Andrew says to Peter and, and, and Philip says to Nathaniel, he says, you know what? I don't have all the answers to your questions about Jesus. I don't even know where he came from. You know, he came from Nazareth. He came from this side or the other thing. He says, just come and see. Just, just come and see. That's what Andrew said to Peter. Just come and see for yourself who Jesus is. See, that's what we get to do as fishing partners. You just say, say, come and check out for yourself who Jesus is as you gather together as the body of Christ. He manifests his presence and dwells among us. Just come and see. Just come and meet Jesus. Because the church is the body. The church is the bride. 
The church is this movement that Jesus is building to manifest his presence, to come and dwell among us. And as we invite people to come and worship Jesus, they meet him at church, at the gathering, at the assembly that Jesus is building. I'd love to invite Chuck and and uh, Chad and Hope Bruski up to the stage. I, I, uh, they're, they're relatively new to, to Maple Grove, but their story of, of coming to church is, a, is an interesting one. And I, I'd ask them to come and, and share it this morning. Uh, Chuck is originally from uh, Minnetonka and uh, has moved here within the last year or so. And I'd just love for you guys to share a little bit about your experience. And, and you've been coming to Maple Grove now just about six months, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, you kind of researched a couple of churches, but but you decided to come to Maple Grove Covenant. So could you just tell us a little bit about your experience here, your, your first time in the worship service? Uh, first time I worshiped, I was here by myself. And um, I was looking for uh, sincerity yeah, in the people at the church that I wanted to join. So um, the, the music was was very uh, worshipful. It was very good. Uh, and the, uh, the sermon was... Decent. Was all right. <laughs> was very good. And, uh, and then uh, after the service, I was uh, approached by two different people before I even got out of the sanctuary here. Yeah. And that was uh, something I hadn't experienced in my church searching since I moved here. So. Yeah. so you came, you heard the music, you engaged in the, in the teaching, and, and, and you met some, some folks, and you decided to come back. Yep, decided to come back. Uh, my kids were attending another church, and I decided that this is the church I wanted my kids to come to. You and I had met and talked. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then we came back together and um, just... Uh, that first service we worshiped together, the, the kids were were into the service, you know, and um, they're into the, the music, of course, and then they enjoyed your sermon too. Yeah. So, and and then you even joined the the youth group and a Sunday school class, and, and then Chucky joined a community group. Mm-hmm. And uh, how how was your experience being in the community group? Uh, the community group was great because uh, I was. I was starting to connect on a on a Sunday level, but then the rest of the week I didn't really have anything, and and the the connection was just limited to a couple hours a week. You know, while I was here on Sunday mornings, and all of a sudden that group just uh, it just took me to another level of connecting. So it was really uh, it was really um, a blessing in my life that yeah. that I definitely needed at that time. So. Sure. And, and I hope I got a couple of questions for you. So, so you, uh, you you came to the youth group, and um, and was there anything that surprised you about about participating in the youth group? Um, yeah, a lot did actually. Um, people actually liked to worship in my youth group, and I've called my youth girls freaks at times because they actually enjoy God, and most people at my other church didn't. Yeah. Yeah, so so you you had an experience in your youth group. I think the 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 words that you said is that you you guys actually believe this stuff. Is, is yeah. that the quote? 
Yeah, so you were surprised that, that the young people that you were hanging with actually believed the stuff that was being taught. Usually it's just one or two people who are actually sincere, and everyone was. Yeah. So. And, and was, it a, was it an accepting place? Did you, did you feel like you fit in, or, or how, was, how was it at the beginning there? These people are convincing. They let you in. Yeah. And so as a result of, of being part of the worship service and then joining the youth group, you, you made a decision. Could, could you tell us the decision that you made? Um, I decided to let uh, Jesus Christ into my life to be my Savior. Um, my youth group and my youth leader taught me that it was okay to doubt and ask questions, and it didn't mean you were less of a believer. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all right. You can, you can clap for that. And, and Chad, when, when you came to, to the worship service for the first time, you felt a little bit more reserved, if I remember right? Yep. Yeah. And, and then, uh, but then tell us how, how you feel now about attending the, the Sunday school class and your connection to the church. Um, I met a lot of friends. Um, I had good Sunday school teachers. And they had a baby, and, yeah, and you kind of heard got a little about it. Got to hold the baby, and, yeah. and now you're part of family, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right. And then, Chuck, what are you guys going to be doing uh, later tonight? Actually, it's at 630 at the annual meeting. If you didn't know that. What are you guys going to be doing tonight? Uh, we are going to be joining, becoming members. Yeah, you become members of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what are you going to be doing as a family uh, in a couple of weeks? We are taking a trip to the Dominican Republic. And, and who are you going to do that with? With 15 other people. And uh, we're going to go down and, and um, see what the Lord has for us down there and, and just uh, see how other people live and live for the Lord and what that all means and how we can do something yeah. here in Minnesota for that. So. Yeah, so, so you're joining the, the Maple Grove Covenant missions team that's going to the Dominican Republic to yes. partner with the local church there and expand God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. All, all in a matter of about six months, this, this transformation has occurred in your family. And I just have the question for, for you all, what caused this transformation in the Bruski family? It's the church. It was the church. The church, the body of Christ, working together. God manifesting his presence through the worship service, through the community group, through the, through the youth groups, through the Sunday school class. It was the body of Christ working together that reached out and brought the Bruski family one step closer to Jesus. It's the church. It's the bride. It's the body of Christ. It's this healthy, missional, highly functioning church that can reach out to others in the name of Christ. Let's give it up to the Bruski family. This is it. This is the place where God makes himself known. This is the gathering that Jesus is building. This is the place where we can bring our friends that are distant from God and they will meet Jesus through the worship, through the teaching, through this functioning missional body of Christ. It's the church. And you know what's interesting about the Bruski family's story? No one ever invited them to church. He he researched it on his own. He went on the internet. He, 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 he checked out different churches. And then he came to this church and started to experience Jesus. But imagine if someone invited Chuck to church. 
Imagine if someone saw him at work and said, hey, you know, Chuck, I see you're going through a hard time. Would you like to come and worship God with me at my local church? Imagine if someone in the neighborhood said, hey, Chuck, I saw you that you just moved into the neighborhood. I'm going to this great church just down the street. Love for you to come and worship with me. You think Chuck would have said yes? Absolutely. In fact, statistically speaking, 82% of the people, if asked, of unchurched people, if asked to go to church by a trusted friend, will say yes. People are waiting to be invited to church. But a mere 21% of church-going Christians actually attend, actually invite someone to church in the course of a year. We've got to learn to work together. We've got to learn to fish Together, We were designed by God to be a fishing community, to work together, to pray together, to serve together for the sake of others. That's what Jesus had in mind when he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades is not going to be able to overcome. It's the church, it's this bride, it's this fishing buddy that each one of us has. We must learn to take personal evangelism and work it into our understanding of this local church in order to participate more fully in the movement of Jesus. I love when we met together a couple weeks ago for the Dominican Republic missions team. I'm part of that team with my son and we had a, a training time. At the end of the training time, we had a prayer time. And during the prayer time, everyone sort of asked a prayer request. And, and Hope had a prayer request. It went something like this. Hope said, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm, a, I'm a teenager, you know. And she says, pray that I'll be less focused on me and more focused on others. And everyone in the room kind of says, yeah, that's me too. I'm not a teenager, but I need that prayer. I need that type of prayer for me. Pray that I would be less focused on me and more focused on others. Because as we're less focused on me, we're more aware of our neighbors, of our co-workers, of our friends that are hurting and in need of God and are waiting for an invitation from a friend, a co-worker, or a family member that says, Hey, would you like to come to church? Would you like to attend Vacation Bible School? Would you like to join this community group? Would you like to come to this picnic that I'm having with my friends from our church? Would you like to participate in the movement? Because if you ask them, you know what they're going to say eight out of ten times? Yes, I would like to. I've been waiting for someone to invite me to church. I know that evangelism can be hard. I know that it can be difficult. But we must learn to work together, to bring personal evangelism in the local church together, to be this movement, to be this assembly that fishes together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this great movement that you started, Jesus. It's, it's your church, and you're going to build it. And, and, and you've invited us to participate in it. We can say yes, or we can say yo, but, but, but we today say yes. We want to participate more fully in your church. And I just pray that you would do a work among us in, in our hearts, in our spirits, that you would be prompting us to reach out to our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, our family members, and invite them to participate in your church for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.